Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you from the office, it is story time with Buster. It's Saturday. As we pick up uh, chapter 14, <clears throat> I have to excuse me for not having some throat issues. Uh, you have a white stone. We've been in the white stone. We've been working on that. Uh, working our way through, we just finished chapter 13, and as as we know, it finished with um, our three amigos <clears throat> who had just come from uh, Papa Joe's uh, place where they had uh, given the money back, and Papa Joe and, and, and uh, his wife had blessed them, and they were enjoying their day after all that had happened and what they'd seen uh, God do throughout that time. So we're going to step into chapter 14. It's actually pretty short. Uh, pretty short-lived, pretty short read, which might be a good thing because I'm <clears throat> I'm struggling with my throat right now. But we will uh, we'll get through 14 and and uh, see where it takes us. As with always, we'll start from our Father's heart. Holiness, denial to self, sacrifice, and the crucified life. Why do you not seek them? They are the true path to happiness. You fight to protect those things you hold tight and call it my work. You walk without power because you have not made me your source of power. You are ineffective by my standards, but your search to fulfill your personal needs blinds you from seeing how barren your life really is. In doing your work and calling it mine, <clears throat> you have become angry, fearful, and in need of changing your world. How foolish and how vain. I am seeking those who cherish holiness unto me. I will use those who turn from this world and its ways. Despise those things which stop you from giving up your life completely to me. Chapter 14 begins with Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6 through 7. <clears throat> Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry? And to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked, to clothe him and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. The rest of that Friday and all day Saturday, Tom had the continued privilege of seeing the true church of Jesus Christ in action. With constant joy, a spontaneous prayer and thanksgiving, people who had little delightfully gave to those who had less, those who were more important than pride. Love was more important than pride. Integrity before the Lord drove out the stench of serving self, while the gratefulness of what Jesus had done for them directed all their activities. Selfless giving, such as Red Carlson selling all he had to buy three buses so the children could be transported to Christian school. Through dangerous neighborhoods, it seemed to be the norm. <clears throat> to see Red and others faithfully pick up and deliver well over 500 kids per week in numerous shifts, Kids who never would have had otherwise known of Jesus' love brought conviction to Tom's hardened heart. Taylor, Washington, a, a local contractor, decided to remodel and make safe the homes of those who either didn't know how to or couldn't afford to do it themselves. His imprint and the Lord's were evident wherever he went. A special glow remained in and around each home that he touched. And Andy and Cecil Bobberitz of Seals Home Restaurant opened their doors early to provide a healthy breakfast for children who may otherwise have never gotten anything to eat that day. <clears throat> Each child was sent to school full in stomach 
and carrying a brown paper bag containing more nourishment for lunch. Volunteers even took time to seek out and assist the youngster who desired help with his homework and assignments. More often than they could be counted, grateful parents would stop in to see if their child's glowing stories of true love were true, only to see and hear the gospel in action and willingly surrender to Jesus who loved as those people did. On and on, in story after testimony, after personal observation, people gave and loved and lived as Jesus did, with selfless hearts desiring only to please their Lord, the humble served the needy and each other. As God blessed with signs and wonders, grace and mercy, and love and an open involvement in the lives of those who served him, he joyously provided himself to those he loved. When there was need, he provided the proper manna, from the upraised hands of praise to the bent knees of petition, or to the open hearts of submission. The king of all creation freely responded as only he could. There was always enough. Somehow, some way, those living for him had what was necessary to accomplish and and every given task, any and every given task. God had restored his true church and was daily preparing his bride. A sense of holiness unto the Lord, a priority of serving him and selfless giving permeated every facet of the lives of those involved. It was truly like walking back in time to the days of the Bible writings. Everywhere Tom turned, he saw Jesus himself lived out in the people around him. More questions flooded his mind. Could this be the beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that precedes the return of our Lord for his bride? Could it be in this generation? Could, could he be witnessing the beginnings of that time frame? Tom recollected the undercurrents that seemed to follow him most of his lifetime. They spoke of the importance of the times and the seasons. Often he would hear about some preacher or read some article that commented on how the news of the day was fulfilling prophecy precisely. Many talked about the end-time church and that it would be raised up by God himself in the last days to walk in unselfish love and unyielding devotion to God alone. Those kinds of stories had always been around, hadn't they? Even the apostles thought Jesus would return in their lifetimes. But Tom remarked, hearing of this kind of life being raised up in the little pockets in random cities, even if it wasn't the end times, Tom knew that his life was far from the kind of life that these people exhibited each day. In comparison to the kind of life that he realized was attainable, his life was an embarrassment. In the quiet of Train's apartment, Tom petitioned his father to change him, his life, his selfish life, his walk with Jesus, as cold as it now seemed, was distasteful, even disgusting to him. I am so ashamed, my father, Tom cried in silence. What have I seen, what I have seen makes me know how wrongly I have lived, how I have missed, even taken for granted, your great gifts to me. I have consumed what you have given me upon myself, thinking it was okay. I'm sorry, my Lord, forgive me. For I have sinned deeply against you and against all those that you have put in my life who needed to see Jesus in me. I don't know what to do from here, but I surrender to you to change me. With that silent prayer, Tom Bracken drifted into a sound sleep. The winds of change had begun to blow in his life, change that would alter his life forever. These were only the beginning breezes that would lead a hurricane, forces that would impact and sometimes uncomfortably disrupt those lives that he would touch. Wow. What what an incredible timing <laughs> of this chapter as 
I've been speaking on the things of end times and revivals and the stuff that we've seen just recently, the the ministry that we've been watching with with uh, Pastor Jensen Franklin and Perry Stone uh, that just just um, just capped off a, a two week long uh, revival of, of every night of the week except Saturday. Uh, it went from Sunday to, to Friday night and then Monday to Friday night again uh, with services going on full tilt, powerful moves of God's spirit obviously an outpouring uh, and, and we're seeing this more and more and more commonly what a unique thread for this chapter to come in to play right here the the true outpouring of christ the true love of the unselfish those who are desperately hungry for god himself not not just the stuff that can come along with a life right but god himself and by giving away just like he said to the rich young ruler if you just go and sell everything you have and come and follow me. And the rich young ruler couldn't do it because he was a man of great wealth. But that's what God is asking of us. Sell everything you have. And I'm not, I'm not telling you to go out and mortgage your house. What I'm telling you is let go of those things that you feel are important to you and pursue God with everything you have in you and watch what he does in your life. That's what's happening in this book. That's what's happening in the depiction of an inner city being turned upside down by the love of Christ. What would happen if we begin to love as he does? What would happen around us? Something to think about over this next few days, the next week. Uh, I pray you find yourself in the house of God tomorrow uh, in a fire-breathing, fire-filled, Holy Ghost-stomping church that God is pouring out his Spirit in. It's happening. It's happening all around us. Cry out to God with a hunger like you've never cried out before and watch what he can do in the lives of those around you. As you surrender completely to him, allowing him to pour through you in whatever way he chooses, you will have an effect on everyone you encounter. God bless you guys. We love you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for walking with Rhonda and I through our journey as we seek out that which is lost so that they may be found. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We're praying for you. We'll talk to you again real soon.